Good morning, welcome, good afternoon, welcome to the Cone Zone, that's my dad, Lowell Cone, I'm his son, Grant Cone, the draft was a couple of days ago, and you watched it, I watched it, everyone said the Niners, their biggest need was an offensive lineman, and they didn't draft one, which was very on-brand and in-character of this team, and it made me laugh. Dad, what was your reaction when you saw that the Niners went three rounds, 260-something players, no offensive lineman? <laughs> First, hold on. Before you before you answer that question, I want to. Some people might notice that my dad looks a lot clearer today. He is broadcasting live in Technicolor, 1080p. It's like he went from you know Kansas to the Wizard of Oz here. You look great. Well, I look, and now you can see how old and ugly I am. But what happened was Iggy came over this. We live like nine minutes apart, and he came over this morning and he said, "I got to get you a real." camera because I had the one the built-in you know so he brought over this camera and I want to tell you what my reaction is first of all it is very much clearer all those years I used to go on tv at uh, NBC Sports Bay Area and I would sit you know Linda would go in the green room Linda would put on the makeup and and I'd sit in my chair and while I was talking, you know, there'd be you know, Papa would be the host, and you know, other guests, Osler might be there, Ratto, or Killian, and we'd be talking. And I would look at myself. You could look at yourself in the monitor, and I expected to see me. You see, but instead <laughs> there was this old man, and I wondered who put in the old man. It wasn't. It wasn't me. And I would look at myself. Because it really was me, and I would feel morally offended, morally yeah. offended that I look like that. I wanted to look like you. You know, it's funny. I I still look in the mirror and think that I look twenty four, <clears throat> but then right. I go to the gym at YMCA with a bunch of kids who are like twenty four, who are in such better shape than me. And then I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh right, I'm thirty five. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, it's... I'm getting gray. I'm getting kind of chubby. So so this is a, a good. Uh, <laughs> camera but it reveals the truth anyway uh, offensive lineman uh, let me put it like this i was following the draft and when the whole draft went i thought they had a pretty good draft i mean actually the players they drafted were pretty good yeah except taking that kicker so high up i don't know <laughs> but then i noticed that they didn't draft an offensive lineman so i'm going to use a, a very polite word i was nonplussed I was nonplussed. At what did you did you realize midway through the draft like they're just not going to take one? Yeah, I kept thinking, yeah. where is this offensive lineman? Because you know I, I, they're flying then, off the board. <laughs> and the, rest okay. of the league seems to think they're kind of important. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I got a question. Um, they didn't draft an offensive lineman, and then Kyle and John came and you talked to them and they were generous with their time and generous with their answers. Uh, okay. Um, First question, Mayo. And it was Maddie. God, God love him. Maddie said, you know, you didn't draft an offensive lineman. And Kyle says, well, we didn't want to draft just for the sake of drafting. I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty close. Um, none of them really was a good fit for us. And um, so it's better. I believe he said we would have loved to draft an offensive lineman, but none of them fit. All 39 drafted offensive <laughs> linemen didn't fit the 49er scheme. So, said. yeah, they must have a, a very ambitious scheme. If like the cream of the crop from, you say 39 from college. 39 now, of best from the NCAA. None of them. Fit. None of them could. Oh, so the question is, what is it about his scheme that these 39 guys were deficient in? Or, or, or 39 were like not as good as Colton McKivitz and Nick Zakel or something. Whatever his excuse was seemed like not the real reason. Whatever he said, it felt like just words. Right. Because it's, it, look, he may believe what he said, yeah. but it's preposterous. It's preposterous that. Not one of 39 could have come fit. ahead of that kicker and yeah, wouldn't that's an fit. It's an interesting verb to use, fit. Like Bobby Slowick and D'Amico are in Houston. They drafted two offensive linemen. They used the same exact scheme. 
Mike McDaniels in Miami used the same exact scheme. He drafted an offensive lineman. So they found fits. You couldn't find one fit? That's a strange word. Strange excuse. Okay. Strange excuse. Okay. So let's try to do a deep dive on this. Iggy, why do you think he... Now, they took undrafted free agents, but that's a different thing. That's not the cream of the crop. Why did he not draft an offensive lineman? I think to answer this question, you have to like really get into Kyle Shanahan's psyche. Yeah, And I think there's a couple things at play here. Um, he doesn't like being told what to do by the masses, by the media. He's the smartest guy in the room. He knows more about football, and he does. But sometimes there's just common sense staring him in the face, and the media can see it, and they tell him what to do. Hey, you need an offensive lineman. Like, it didn't take a freaking football genius to tell the Niners they needed an offensive lineman. And I think when he hears it enough, he kind of pushes back and says, oh, I need an offensive lineman. I'll show you. I can work around it. You don't understand football. I think he loves to do that. I agree with you. So what we're saying is there's an ego here. Mm-hmm. If you tell me I need an offensive lineman, screw you. I'm yeah. not going to get an offensive lineman. I'll, I'll show you I can work around it, and I'm smarter than you. I, have, I agree with you. So yeah. I have something to say about that. Yeah. We often talk about his leadership qualities, and I know someone from the organization challenged you when you said he wasn't a leader. Leadership is taking your ego out of it. Correct. Leadership is making the right decision for the organization. Mm-hmm. I believe in this case, because I believe of the 39, there was probably one good offensive lineman that could have fit his scheme. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly have to believe that. So yeah. I think his letting his ego get in the way of a prudent, helpful decision is a lack of leadership ability. And you could tell the person in the organization that your dad said that. It's almost like if we collectively as a Bay Area agreed to use reverse psychology on Kyle Shanahan, it would work. Like if, yeah. we, if two months leading up to the draft, we said if everyone said they can't take an offensive lineman. Don't you dare take an offensive lineman. Whatever you do, he'd take two just because we told him not to. Why did Kyle Shanahan put beans in his ears? Because we told him not to. <laughs> you know, that's from a play called The Fantastics. Oh, yeah? Why Is did it? the kids put beans? Oh, God. It, it, it's a wonderful musical. Um, I just remember used to sing that all the time when I was a kid. Yeah, why did the kids yeah. put beans in their ears? Yeah, it's, oh, gosh. Oh, you made yeah. my day by reminding me of that. Anyway, what we're saying is his psychology is like a two-year-old because a two-year-old, you use reverse psychology. In the most respectful way, Kyle. No, it's not. I like Kyle Shanahan. We have a lot of fun. I feel like we have a, uh, we both have a twinkle in our eye when we do the stuff that we do in those group interviews. He's a lot of fun, but I got to disagree with you. And we're talking about your psyche here now, Kyle. So it's the, it's the note, it's the being the note everyone's yes, the being the smartest man in the room that gets you in trouble when you push back against common sense. But also I think it's inherently Kyle doesn't value the offensive line. He really doesn't. I think he under, he values the left tackle position because any idiot would, it's a very important position, but the other four positions on the offensive line, I think essentially are run blockers and guys. He thinks of them, I, he articulated it at the draft. Basically just don't lose the game for me. That's that's what, how he, eva- did you lose the game for me? Can I win in spite of you? That's what he thinks. They don't touch the ball. They don't throw the ball. They don't sack the quarterback. So they don't kick the ball. I think they're like lower on the pecking order than kickers, apparently. Which is interesting because my point of view, as flawed as it is, is that the most important unit on a football team is the offensive line. Not even close. That's how I, I feel. I and I would, I would say another thing. I always, we talked about it this morning, make a chess analogy. They're protecting the king. Right. They're, they stand for law and order. The yeah. defensive linemen stand for anarchy. I mean, you think of it that way, right? They st- right. But the four offensive linemen stand for law and order. And you know, it, five, I'm sorry. And um, in general, that's how they are in real life. Yeah. They're, they're very uh, soft-spoken, polite, upstanding guys. Yeah. And they're protecting the king, which is the quarterback. But you made a very insightful comment to me when we were talking about it this morning about protecting the king. Well, the Niners don't look at the quarterback as the king. Right. 
the Niners look at the quarterback as just another piece on the chessboard, like a bishop or maybe a pawn. I mean, they always talk about how cheap their quarterbacks are. The running back makes more money than the quarterback. The tight end makes more money than the quarterback. Both wide, one of the wide receivers, Soon Ayuk, uh, the left tackle. I mean, so many players make more money than the the quarterback. The quarterback constantly gets hurt. He's interchangeable, uh, not on a chessboard. So that's p- partly where the Niners get into trouble here. They don't value the quarterback position. Right, they don't look at it as the king. No, uh, and so and, who cares and, about protecting him? Exactly. Whereas Mahomes is the king. Uh huh. You know, in uh-huh. Green Bay, the sourpuss was the king. Was the, Joe Montana was in the Cincinnati, king. Cincinnati, J- Joe Burrow's the king. And so yeah. the number one priority is give him an offensive line, and then we'll figure out the rest. We can figure right. out the rest. The Niners so, are backwards. They figured out the rest, and they can't figure out either of those two things. Yeah. So again. All due respect to Kyle, but in terms of his philosophy, I disagree. Yeah, I, totally I do. Disagree. I disagree. Yeah. And what's interesting is he's tried this philosophy and failed. When he was in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, his off the right side of his offensive line crumbled down the stretch against Frank Clark and Chris Jones. Uh, and the last two NFC Championship games, I mean, in Philly, his offensive line blocked absolutely no one. And then in the uh, fourth quarter against the Rams the year before their offensive line, the right side caved again. It keeps happening. And he doesn't adjust in contrast Andy Reid he went to the Super Bowl against the Bucks lost remember they scored nine points they had no offensive line Mahomes was running for his life what they do since then they totally revamped their offensive line five new starters and they won a Super Bowl I think they feel as long as he they have five good offensive linemen in Mahomes they can win and the Niners haven't so they they learned from their they they learned they learned from their mistakes they learned their lesson Kyle doesn't learn his lesson and they also, the Chiefs drafted an offensive lineman right after the Niners, about five picks afterward uh, in this draft. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So they know yeah. what they're doing. I think yeah. I, 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 clearly Kyle is very bright and he's very um, cutting edge in certain ways. But, and this again goes to leadership, he doesn't learn from mistakes. Mm-mm. No. He doesn't learn from mistakes. And you have to. Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. There's no... There's no shame in making a mistake, but you've got to learn from them. And if you right. don't, that's your flaw. That's your tragic flaw. The Chiefs learned. You the Chiefs learned. Be- because you keep making the mistake again and again. That's right. The Iggy, Chiefs learned. Sorry, go ahead. I, I want to go parenthetical for a moment because you told me a little <laughs> – st- have you told the story about when you were the only one in the interview room with Kyle the other day? No, I haven't told that story. I haven't told it. Can you, is it okay yeah, to I tell can, it? I could tell it. It was okay. It I was like it. It's a good story. So uh, it's right after the draft, round seven. And PR person comes over and says, hey, Kyle and John are walking to the interview room. Why don't we go over now and do the interview? So I like to be the first one there because I want to be front and center and set up and record. So I hustle over, speed walk over. I get there first. Kyle and John walk in second. And they expect us all there waiting because you can't waste their time. So I'm sitting there by myself. Kyle and John walk in, and Kyle like reacts. He's like, "What the hell?" Like that one that we're not there, and two that it's just me. And I say, <laughs> "I say, hey, Kyle, I'm ready. Let's go." And he he collects himself because he's cool. You know, he want he's real cool. And he goes, "You know, I've been meaning to get you alone." And I go, "Ooh, what does that mean?" And he goes, "I'm just kidding." And and then he said, "You know, actually, I owe you a one-on-one interview because it was a, what happened was all, the rest of the beat writers walk in and they go, "Oh, is this a one-on-one for Grant?" And Kyle goes, you know, technically I owe you one, which he does. Before the pandemic, he told me he was going to give me a one-on-one right after I had one with John Lynch. It was like four years ago. And he remembered. That was like a whole different PR staff ago. So I'm going to hit him up. I'm going to uh, follow up with that. I hope you do. And I you do. know I what? If, if he does it, I would really respect him for that. Yeah. And you could even tell the PR people, I'm not trying to get him. I'll submit my questions. So he doesn't have. Yeah. I'm not trying to get him at yeah. all. Absolutely not. No. These are my questions. Yeah, absolutely. And what's more, you know what, Iggy? The PR guy will sit in. In my day, the PR guy wouldn't dare to come in if I was talking to Seifert or Mariucci or Walsh. Now, No, nah, but they, I want to do it live like I did with Lynch. I want to do it live. That would be cool. Yeah, okay. Not He'd probably. be off camera then. Yeah, <laughs> fine. Okay. Yeah. Fish and Chip says, uh, from landline to smartphone, lol. LOL. I have a landline and I have uh, a... Um, of cell, I have to tell you, I much prefer to use a landline, and it I can hear better on it. It's true; it's much better quality. 
Best draft pick, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, technically they took him in the third, in the second, and the third round. All those in the fourth, they took him three times. <laughs> Scribe Mind says O line has a log jam. West, Poe, Zakel, Burford, Feliciano, Pryor, Moore. No one at ninety nine would be a clear starter. So what value is drafting another Jalen Moore, etc.? O line would be a wasted pick after ninety nine. I have no. I I can't say. I feel like it's the kind of position you always have to be bringing guys in. Like you just you West isn't on the team anymore. Poe is an undrafted free agent. Zakel was a late six round pick. I mean, Feliciano's a 30-year-old on a one-year deal. Pryor's a 30-year-old on a one-year deal. Like, you just named a bunch of nobodies. The Niners have to actually bring in guys and develop good players with with potential. Fish and Chips like says O-line. Oh, like, yeah, they did, like with they banks. did with Banks. Fish and Chips says uh, O-line don't figure as the first in Kyle's blocking schemes. Tight ends, running backs, and wide receivers first. If you look at all the 22, it's right there. Um, so yeah. here's what I was trying to say. Like, if Kyle had learned his lesson, he would have addressed offensive line this offseason, but he didn't. And remember, he he blamed the tight end for not blocking that guy against Philly. So what did he do? We drafted two tight ends, no offensive linemen. That just shows you where he's at. There's nothing I can change. All I can do is get better tight ends. Like like these rookies are gonna block Hassan Reddick. They call the same play again, Kyle. In the most respectful way. Batman lives says Grant's media nemesis is Lombardi. Who is Lowell's? Your media nemesis. No one could compare. Oh, forget it. Goat answer says Iggy. This kicker. We'll be on the team until 2040. Says goat, no answers. Okay. Thank you for seeing in the future. Manny Fresh says the Shanahan's are only good for drafting running backs. Not even that great for that. They're good at signing running backs after the draft. <laughs> Sorry. Let's grade each offensive lineman on the 49ers just so we know what we're talking about here. Yeah, just how good are they? Uh, let's. You're going to have to give the grade, Ziggy. So let's go left to right. Okay. On the left is Trent Williams. Um some people think he's the greatest left tackle of all time. I'd give him an A. He's either an A or an A+. One-on-one, -on -one, he's an A+. And what, I'll, what I mean is, like, in practice, when he goes one-on-one -on -one in the pass rush drills against Nick Bosa, like, <laughs> Bosa can't touch him. It's uh. easy for Trent Williams. And Bosa's the best. But you wouldn't tell in that. Thing is, in 11-on-11 football, uh, for whatever reason, Trent Williams has gotten a little careless, and he starts tipping the Niners' plays. You can tell. He has a pass stance and a run stance. And it sort of tells what the Niners are going to do, and he doesn't care. And then no one in the Niners will tell him to stop. So that's, to me, like, amazing. But he's still great. So he's an A, maybe an A+. plus. Aaron Banks, the left guard, it was his first year starting last year. I'd give him a B-. minus. He's solid with, uh, you know, the ability to improve. So a, a B-. minus. Not, not, not dominant in any way. Pretty good. The center, Brendel, is older. It was his first year starting, but he was a Pro Bowl alternate, so I'd give him a solid B. He didn't miss any games. But again, there's nothing he does great pass run. But those three guys are like the, the heart of the offensive line. You got a great guy, two solid guys. And then the right guard, Spencer Burford, I'd give him like a C-, minus, like barely passable, but he's really young. I mean, they didn't trust him to play full games last year. Kyle said, remember... When I asked, why is it so hard to draft offensive linemen? He's like, well, are, you got to play every snap. And you, you can't I, I, you can't lose the game. I, are you going to lose the game if you play every They didn't trust him to play every snap. They would take him, they'd let him play a couple drives, and then he'd have to sit out. So I'd say he's not even necessarily an average starter yet. Yet. Okay. And then the right tackle has five career starts. So, I mean, he started a game last year, and they won it. He started a game the year before that, and they won it. He's... I guess based on those very little sample signs, he's like a C. He's like a C, average. But I have no what's, idea. What's concerning about it's McKivitz. What's concerning about him is he was McGlinchey's backup. He couldn't start yeah. over McGlinchey. And you and I never thought that much of McGlinchey. You could push no, him around on pass, pass defense. Yeah, he just wasn't good. Like, remember, um, Brendel became the starting center last year. He was Alex Mack's backup. Alex Mack was really good. Being his backup, there was no shame in that. And then he retired, and they made Brendel the starter. McGlinchey was replaceable. They should have replaced him years ago. And if McKivitz wasn't better than him, why would you want to downgrade from McGlinchey? How can you downgrade from him? That's kind of scary. It's kind yeah, of scary. So, what, so what you're saying is when you look at their offensive line, the left, the center and the left two guys are okay. 
Yeah. They're, they're a respectable line, but the right side is really problematic, and that's where they got, uh, you know, the, the quarterback hurt. Now, it's true the tight end was supposed to make the block, but they 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 got a lot of guys hurt on the, because of the right side of the offensive line. You could argue if the right tackle was better, Mike McGlinchey, he would have been blocking Hassan Reddick on that play and not a tight end. I mean, it was kind of a ridiculous blocking assignment to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, oh, what would McGlinchey, like what grade would we give McGlinchey as a right tackle? See, t- to me, McGlinchey's a C. I agree. I don't, I don't know why he got paid so much. So if McGlinchey's a C, then what's McKivitz? A C minus? A D? I don't know. I wouldn't call him a D yet. We haven't seen enough. But like, you might have two C minuses on the right side of your offensive line. I think until further notice, you got two C minuses on the right side of your offensive line. Whereas all the other contenders have five good offensive linemen. Like they don't mess around and say, well, we have three. We'll work it out with the next two. Three's not enough. Four's not enough. You need five. Yeah, but the other 39 didn't fit. <laughs> I, Dad, I, I wasn't alive in the 80s. Did you... Did did Bill Walsh's teams have like just crap rights? No, I'm sorry, like crap. Did they just have like deficient right sides of the offensive line? Um, Bill's offensive line was good. Yeah. Well, he had Bob McKittrick was the yeah. coach. Yeah. I would have to say this: Bill never let McKittrick, or rarely let McKittrick, get high draft choices. Hmm. He really he didn't like Bob, but he believed in Bob, and Bob could coach up a line Mm. he could he didn't care you know how some of them are very methodical you need to lead with your left foot here and you do this like that bob wasn't like that bob said you got to get over here do it however you can he was very flexible in that regard and bill had total confidence in him the other thing was (sighs) bill as you know loved boxing and he used to use a lot of boxing terminology with his players and what he would tell the offensive line i don't want you to be passive i want you quote to get in the first punch Mm. and they were very aggressive uh, hit hard and went forward obviously when they were blocking to protect the quarterback they didn't go forward but he had a very smaller mobile aggressive offensive uh offensive line and I I want to say, um, this is way before my time, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just looking online, he inherited quite a talented right tackle uh, who was a second high second round pick out of Minnesota by the name of Keith Bonhorst. God, he was a great player. They drafted and him in 74 before Walsh got there, and then he had him until 87. That guy, I mean, what a player. He died about a year ago, Keith, and people don't even know about him. He was just the most wonderful person. Uh, again, I don't really become friends with him, but I could have, with them, but I could have become friends with him. And he, he, his wife, Sue, is a very outspoken person. And one time, Walsh pissed her off. And he say, uh, said to Fonhorst, please apologize uh, to Sue for me. And Fonhorst said, no, you got to call her up yourself. <laughs> Bill had to call up Sue Finehorse and apologize, and he was really nervous to call her up. Good for Bill. He did it. He did, he did it. it. Yeah. But he had – I don't know who replaced Keith Finehorse. That was before my time. But Bill had a, a top-flight, first-rate, really athletic uh, right tackle for a very long time. For And he had Super a great Bowl. great center in Randy Cross. Randy Cross. Great UCLA. center. Not Hall of Famer, but like – it's interesting. Oh, on, on the cusp. Yeah, those those offensive linemen aren't in the Hall of Fame as if they weren't an integral part of that dynasty. It seems like the Hall yeah. of Fame hasn't quite captured how great those teams were. Offensive line was a and key part of it. Another one was John Ayers was was phenomenal. John Ayers, John Ayers. he died young. Official BNA Music eighty eight says you would think Kyle learned his lesson after watching McGlinchey get thrown by Parsons like a Tim Lincecum changeup. Whew! <laughs> Can't wait till he checks his ego. When do you think? That's well, I would have that? to. He's not well, going to. Him. He. <laughs> what would you say? Hey, Kyle. <laughs> you have a huge ego. What do you think about that? <laughs> or like, do you have a huge ego? Yeah. That'd be a nice question. Do you have a, yeah. a huge ego? Yeah. That's Tony a fair question. Nagatani says, question for Lowell. Did Bill Walsh ever have a public a publicly panned draft? 
How did he respond if when that happened? Long time I don't ago. I don't remember. Um he took Ronaldo Nehemiah, who was a hurdler, and he wanted to make him into a um, wide receiver. It never worked out. Um, I want to say, Ronaldo Nehemiah, I, I saw him at Dwight's uh, memorial service. What a lovely man he is. But he didn't work out, and Bill took a lot of heat for that. I don't remember him having taken heat for a draft in general. Okay. Uh, good question. Uh Tavarius says, Grant, please get an interview with Trey. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, I, I don't think he wants to talk right now. Fish and Chip says, Walsh scheme, those linemen needed to be brutal. Yeah, they were undersized and tough. All right, next question. Um, the best move of the draft. They didn't take an offensive lineman, but you were watching the draft. I mean, in my opinion, the best move they made was the first move they made. It was the most aggressive move they made. They traded up. They found a guy they liked that fit. Their scheme on defense, uh, a safety who was really, really productive in, in college. And it was it was a confident move. That's the guy for us. We're gonna move up. You targeted him. You didn't just hope and pray that he would wait to that he would drop to you. Uh they moved up 12 spots. They got him. Um they don't even need him right away. They're gonna need him next year. They have a free safety to Sean Gibson, who's on a one year deal. He's 33, but they're planning for the future. I think it's a great move. I like that move a lot. What'd you think of that? I like the move, and a lot of people said one of the reasons they did it was because of Steve Wilkes, that he, mm. he right, he had mm. coached secondary years ago, and yeah. that you can see uh, his influence on the draft class. Right, he's the new defensive coordinator, and Robert Sala was a linebacker coach. D'Amico Ryans was a linebacker. Steve Wilkes was a DB coach, so I think you're seeing a, an emphasis like, hey guys. The DBs are more important than linebackers. In, in today's NFL, they are because it's a passing league. So it was really cool to see them get John Lynch too. Like this is their biggest swing they've taken at the safety position, and that's a, a game-changing position. I thought it was really cool. And there's also like a, a, a real contrast to, again, the offensive line position. The Niners act like, ah, you know, we didn't get one. It didn't fall to us. It's one of those things. We would have loved to get one. Nah, that's not how it works in the draft. You had 11 picks. You want a safety? Go get a safety, right? You, right. you identify a guy. You work the board. You don't let the board work you. You 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 find an offensive lineman you like. You had a million picks. You go get him. You, you you went and got a safety, and and that's a great. That's how you do it. And so it's always a. That's why it just shows that it's a lame excuse. Thirty nine offensive linemen and none of them fell to you. None of them fit. Fuck falling. Fuck fit. <laughs> it's you go and get them. Sorry, sorry. It's because Listen, of the you, I wanted to go. I wanted to go. Listen. How you talk. Right, talk. You were doing fault. alliteration. You were doing alliteration. We're doing alliteration. It was just for alliteration's sake. <laughs> okay. Worst pick of the draft. Worst pick of the draft. Uh, taking a tight end. Um, I mean, the kicker, if he ends up being good, fine. But they took a blocking tight end two picks later because Tyler Croft missed that block. You kidding me? You could have taken a starter at a bunch of positions. And that guy was is probably not going to end up being a starter. He runs like an offensive lineman. He runs a four eight forty. It's really slow. So I I, I I would think that one probably or the kicker if he's no. I mean they they let Robbie Gold go, who was has never missed a kick in the playoffs, and they're placing him with a, a guy who's twenty two or something, twenty three. He might just not translate. He he might not be Sebastian Janikowski. Dad, remember when the Raiders drafted Sebastian Janikowski in round one? I do. That was bold. That was bold. And it was a good pick. He was great. I don't know that this guy's like that. Sebastian Janikowski had the strongest leg I think I've ever seen. Yeah. 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 The worst move of the draft was not drafting a, an offensive lineman. I mean, that was an all-timer. It, it yeah, almost, that, you almost have to give him a, like a, a patent, like, like a, a golf clap for being that bold. For not doing it. Yeah, it's like, wow, I can't believe you actually did that. Wow. That was risky. I can't believe you actually didn't do that. <laughs> I can't believe you actually didn't do that. Wow. Yeah. That was so yeah. not in your own interest. And And you know, at the, at the post-draft media thing, Kyle seems so pleased and so relaxed, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we got a kicker. Ah. <laughs> and, that you know, Maddie, Maddie yeah. was very polite, but you yeah. know that if Maddie led off with that, he, I didn't talk to Maddie, but Maddie was probably thinking, what the hell, right? Let's just step back again. I, I mean, let's sum it up in, in two sentences. You had 11 draft picks. Everyone agreed offensive line was your biggest need. You didn't address it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. What, were you going to yeah. say you didn't have enough ammo? 
You didn't have enough picks? Are you kidding? <laughs> 11? Okay. Well, God love you. Hope you keep those quarterbacks healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Niners' best move of the offseason, since the offseason is mostly over. Uh, you could talk about a player they signed. They signed Javon Hargrave. Big deal. Player they drafted. But to me, the most intriguing addition is the defensive coordinator they brought in. Uh, Steve Wilkes, you mentioned in our last segment about how he immediately show, showed his his imprint by making the first move for safety. The, the, the emphasis on defensive backs and a guy who actually knows how to find them and coach them. I think he's been around a long time and he's going to make this defense a little bit more sophisticated, complex, because the, the way I see it is it went from sophisticated with Robert Sala and when D'Amico Ryans took over, his calling card was simplifying it, which worked for him. But I think when they got deep in the playoffs, I just didn't think he had enough going on schematically to beat some of these great offenses. And now I think Steve Wilkes does. So I think this is a big deal for the 49ers getting Wilkes. I think they upgraded at D coordinator. Well, let me, let's go slow on this. In terms of Salah and Ryans, who's a better defensive coordinator? Salah, and it's not close. It's not close. Why? I mean, they're both Why? good. But Sala, you can see it in his pressure schemes. His pressure schemes, I'm not gonna those are blitzes, but I mean it's there's so much more than blitzes. They're they're brilliant. They're they're a chess player. He you can see him thinking three moves ahead. If I put this person here, they'll do this and I can do this and I'll get a free rusher here. He could do it all the time on third down. And that's when I first saw that he was good. Not that like, oh, his players all run to the ball or that kind of stuff. Like, look at his blitzes. They're very, very intricate. Intricate. I mean, Ryan's barely blitzes, and his blitz is like, you know, Hafunga off the edge or Warner up the middle. I mean, there's nothing really going on. Uh, he's not getting free rushes, so I, I don't think he's that um, creative in that. And like the call, what he's known for is his players play hard. So when someone gets tackled, like the whole defense is there. You get all eleven guys in the TV screen. That's great. That's great. Um, but I think you need more than that to win a Super Bowl. And I, I, all I know is that Salah was in the Super Bowl. Ryan's never was. And when they got to the NFC Championship game, I felt he would have his worst performances. So now you have a guy with real experience who I think can probably, he's much better at scheming up blitzes than, than Ryan's. He's, he might be better than Salah. I mean, I don't know him as well, but that's his reputation. He's very creative with pressure in ways that Ryan's isn't. So as good as Ryan's, is, is you would say that in a way this is a return to the Salah level to get Steve. I Wilkes. would think so. I would think again. What, what Ryan did was just simplify things. Simplify things, which is great a lot of the time. But I think you're not going to beat the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. You know, without blitzing, without generating, without the ability to generate pressure. When they played uh, the Chiefs midseason, they sacked Mahomes zero times. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's defense just got obliterated. They gave up like 44 points. It was like they weren't on the field. And he can have whatever excuse he wants, but he just, I think, schematically got taken to school by Andy Reid. And that's going to happen to him unless he, you know, doesn't just rely on Nick Bosa to be great. I'd like to praise Kyle Shanahan in a certain sense because we have been a little, little, we've been critical of him about the offensive line. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I respect him that he goes out and gets good coaches. Me too. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to feel threatened by people with a pedigree. Mm -hmm. Like he's got Wilkes, who's a former head coach. Um, he could feel threatened. You know, you sit in those meetings and they're like graduate seminars, Iggy. You know what graduate seminars are like. You were mm -hmm. used to sit in my class. There's a million ideas flying around, and people mm -hmm. uh, people are polite, but you have to defend yourself. And I'm sure that Wilkes is a presence. It doesn't bother Shanahan. In that regard, he's a good head coach because he gets very challenging assistant coaches and coordinators. In addition, very good, challenging, respected assistant coaches and coordinators – respect him and want to work for him. Couldn't say That's that about Chip point. Kelly. Chip Kelly couldn't get a defensive coordinator to save his life. He wanted Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick, I think said, Hey, don't do that. That'll be bad for your career. So Chip Kelly had to end up getting Jim O'Neill because the, the book on Kelly was that, you know, he doesn't know the first thing about defense. 
He goes really fast on offense. He's going to put your defense in bad positions. They'll be on the they'll lead the league in time in, in time on the field, and and you'll give up like thirty points a game. So he couldn't get a D coordinator. Kyle gets the best D coordinators. Yes, yes, yeah. So I respect yeah. that about him. You know, Kyle's a very complicated person, which is why he's so much fun to cover. If he wasn't complicated and if he was just a loser, after a year or two. You'd be like, this is this is boring. I don't want I don't want to keep writing the same thing. That's kind of how it felt with Tom Sula and Kelly. This guy is a very successful, flawed person who's young, right. who could conceivably get over the hump if he just right. makes a, a a tweak here or there. If he, he looks in, if he looks if inward, he looks inward. If he looks inward, that's true. He, he ha- yeah, yeah, it's true. It's like in uh, it's like in Empire Strikes Back where Luke Skywalker has to go to Yoda and he has to go into that little fortress and and confront his inner demons that's what kyle yeah. needs to do he needs to go spend the offseason with yoda and confront his and it's not your dad it's someone else got to be your yoda you got to confront your inner demons and harness the force kyle harness the force <laughs> sorry that's my recommendation for kyle's offseason all right let's give this offseason a final grade again they got the top free agent they upgraded a d coordinator they made an aggressive trade up in in the in the draft I what do you think, Dad? Final grade. Yeah. Okay. If they had taken an offensive lineman, I'd give it an A. Yeah. But they didn't. So I'll give no. it a B. How I'm about you? B. 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 And again, like, they, they didn't address their biggest need. I feel like they're still kind of treading water. It's the same team. Like, they strengthened their strength. They didn't address their weakness. They're the same team. And, you know, what happened was they've been here for a while. They were in the Super Bowl. And then they had the down year with the injuries, but then they went back to the NFC Championship game and almost won it. But then they got to the NFC Championship game this year and got obliterated immediately. It feels like they're kind of slowly fading while Philly just came out of nowhere. Philly sucked. And now they're better than the 49ers. It happened fast. Seahawks are coming too. The Seahawks were like totally reloading after Russell Wilson. They were 9-8 last year. They just had a killer offseason. They could be the next team that just jumps past the 49ers because things happen quick in the NFL, and they're sort of just treading water, in my opinion, at a high level. Hey, you know, even the Lions are getting better. Yes. I mean, it's amazing, but they are. I mean, even the, the Cowboys, like, we, we, we ridicule them. They only gave up 19 points to the Niners in, the, in that playoff game. It was a relatively close game. We'll see what they got. They got a problem at quarterback, too. They do got a problem at quarterback. I tried to say that with a straight face, but it was hard. The Cowboys. They have a problem at quarterback. They do have a problem at quarterback. B, I think it's a fair grade. Oh, I'm glad you agree with me. Yeah. Because they they didn't they they continued to do what they do. They reload the places they're strong at reloading, but they didn't look inward. They didn't learn their lesson and they didn't address their weakness. B. Okay. Let's look forward. Pretty soon next week there's gonna be the rookie mini camp. All the rookies have one practice. I'm allowed to see it'll be fun. Then OTA start and it gets serious. Because the Niners are supposed to have a competition between Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, supposedly for the backup quarterback spot, but we don't really know when Brock Purdy's coming back. And until he's back, this these two are the spotlight at practice. And I think it's going to be fascinating to cover a real competition where two guys actually split reps. What are you interested to learn uh, during this offseason about these guys? Yeah. Okay. Uh, just in general, I want to see... Has Trey Lance improved his delivery? Right, where he p- positions the front foot uh, uh, is the is the wobble out. Um, does he still have arm fatigue? He, does he have arm fatigue? Can he deliver quickly? And with yeah. the other guy, is he throwing picks? Yeah, is Donald? I mean, because th- yeah. they're not going to be nice to him if yeah. he throws. They're, they're not going to say, "Oh, I don't want to intercept this; it'll hurt his feelings." Is he throwing picks? That's what I want to know. And I also want to know, could either one be a top-level starter? Not a schlepsach starter, just some guy. A top-level starter. And if I were there, I would be looking, are they doing the basics or uh, do I have an aha moment with these guys? Wow. Like, does it matter which one's better? I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't if, care. if, like, if one guy's winning the competition, but neither one's looking like giving you an aha moment. Neither one's looking like the guy. Like, does it even matter which right. one is 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 the winner a winner? <laughs> is the question is right? the winner a winner? Yeah, is the winner a winner? Uh, yeah. 
by the way, I'm not pulling for either guy. I have no emotional investment nope. in it. I, I I feel sorry for Trey Lance, the way his career has gone. But, you know, he's got to stand on his own two feet now. And that's true. either he can do it or he can't do it. That That's it. Right. Yeah, and it's like if you can't beat out Sam Darnold, like no excuses, man. I don't want to hear it because Sam Darnold has been around and he's basically not good. So right. if he beats you out, then you're basically not good either, man. So maybe it's time for you to go to Canada and play and get the playing time you need and come back. I don't know what to say because you, you got to beat out Sam Darnold on this one. I have a, li- a little bit of a feeling that Sam Darnold's going to win this competition, that his problem is like on the big stage. That he'll be, I think he's going to probably look good in practice. Do you remember uh, my cousin Vinny? Yeah. Where, you know, they get in trouble and they call up Vinny and he keeps, he has no experience in court and he keeps getting thrown out of court and thrown into jail because he doesn't dress right and he doesn't address. But so that's Trey Lance. He has no experience. And, you know, it's, it's an Italian kid and a Jewish kid and the Jewish kid's worrying, right? He's really worried and he says, we got to talk to the public defender because your cousin sucks. So we're going to, we're going to go to jail for life. So they bring the public defender in, and he's really polished. He looks like he's very experienced, and he has a good case, and they want to go with him. So they, they give him a dry run. They go in the court, and he just melts. He starts stuttering, and he can't actually get a word out of his mouth. I think that's going to be Sam Darnold. I think he's going to look really good in practice, in prep, and then you put him in the game. Like he'll Let him win the competition. Put him on week one. It could go really, 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 really bad. And I kind of feel like that would be – what they would deserve if they talked themselves into that. So that's why I don't know. Hey, Iggy, do you remember yeah. in that movie how Joe Pesci quoted about the Utes? The Utes. The what Utes. was that word that What was that word that you just used? Utes. <laughs> U- Utes. Utes. I love that movie. I want Anytime to tell it's you. on TV, I'll watch it all the way through. It's a great movie. Marissa yeah. Tomai. Won the, won, won the Academy Award. Oh, but I want to tell you, Iggy, where she went to high school. Where? You know... My apartment house, and you come out on Avenue L to the right, one block away is Edward R. Murrow High School. She went there. I would have gone there, but it didn't exist when I was a kid. I had to go schlep over to Midwood High School, which was like two miles away. Um, when I was a kid, Edward R. Murrow High School was the sanitation department. It's where they had all the garbage trucks. Yikes. Wow. That's what it was. But then they got rid of that, and they made this high school, and Marissa Tomei went to high school a block from my house. I was gonna say, like, did it still smell like garbage when they moved the when they built this a school there? But actually, all of New York smells like garbage all the time anyway. So, I guess you can't. That's tell. right. You get used to the smell. I couldn't believe that, but there's just so much people. Like, it, there's too much garbage for the cans. They just put it on the street. It's like, sorry. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the yeah. there are many things I prefer about Northern California to New York, even though I'm a New Yorker and think like one. One is it smells good. It does smell good here. It's it smells does. better in Northern California than than Southern California too. It smells great. I couldn't I couldn't address that. I, I don't know. Also, what's nice about Northern California? It rained last night. You you look across to San Francisco. It's clear as a bell, Dad. It's clear as a bell. <laughs> it's crystal clear. Crystal clear. Well, that's another thing. Could I say it's going to sound very sensitive? One of Go the ahead. things I like about Northern California is the light. In New yes. York, the sun is it really is glaring. Here, it's very soft and gentle um yeah. i i like the light in northern california yeah it's i was in um phoenix a few weeks ago for the annual meetings oh my god it's so bright <laughs> yeah please you're it right is. on top of me would you leave me alone <laughs> it's abrasive abrasive Zach, it's abrasive zach rivero says you think kyle shannon is going to trade for a proven o-line which is why he didn't draft one no if he's not no. a left tackle or a center he doesn't care and he, he's got a center in his left tackle I think he the way he feels is they don't touch the ball, they don't sack the quarterback, they don't make me look smart. I, I don't got no time for them. They're not that important. They're not that important. Shreddy Murphy says GB traded AR and extended love. SF could never. It's true. When the Packers decided they want to transition from Rodgers to, to Love, they didn't keep Rodgers around. They got Rodgers out and they gave Love a new deal. It's, it's what you call uh you know, having conviction. Kyle, That's why you call John, tough love. Tough love. <laughs> John Lynch talks a lot, a lot about being convicted. He says it all the time. Convicted, I know. Convicted. And he's a Stanford graduate. It's I want to. I want to say, dude, come dude, on. Just look if it you up. Were, my, if I was teaching you a freshman English, I would handle that for you. <laughs> Niner Empire DMV says, does it feel like they went into this draft like after the 2019 season and didn't draft needs but depth? 
Where's your next Colin show? Yeah, I think it's similar because in 2019, they drafted a punter in round four. And this year, they drafted a kicker in round three. When you draft a specialist that high, that's basically saying, we're done. Our team is so good. We have no one who can start. We're just going to take a bunch of backups after this. That's the way I feel. Iggy, is this kicker better than Robbie Gould? Um, theoretically. He has a bigger leg. He can kick it farther. But he hasn't done a damn thing in the NFL yet. Like, a few years ago, the Buccaneers drafted a guy, Roberto Aguayo, in the second round of the draft. And he just, it was controversial. There was a lot of media attention. He couldn't handle the pressure. He was out of the league in a year. So, you don't know. We'll see. I mean, the guy made some big-time kicks in college. So, we'll see if it translates. We'll see. Tommy Huxley says, how does it take for Kyle to, how long does it take for Kyle to cook his grits? Well, any self-respecting Southerner knows it takes at least 15 minutes to cook grits. No, self-respecting Southerner would make instant grits. Adam Gardner says, hey, Grant, love watching you both. Go Lakers. Oh, my God. Okay, let's talk a little <laughs> basketball. Just a little basketball. Before we get into the Lakers-Warriors series, let's go back to Game 7 of Warriors-Kings. It's a very interesting game. It was a very interesting series, but the Warriors won this one by 20. Curry had his most aggressive game of his career, and De'Aaron Fox, who'd been so courageous all series, just faded away. What did yeah. you think of that? Well, again, I always think about boxing. How yeah. does a champion comport himself? The yeah. seventh game is sort of like a championship fight. The seventh yeah. game, it's do or die. And a champion comes through. Muhammad Ali came through against Liston and George Foreman, the, mm -hmm. two of the greatest victories in the history of boxing. Stephen Curry was Muhammad Ali. He came through. He, you know, cliche, carried the team on his back, but he really did. He did what and he had to do. He took 38 shots. He wasn't going to let that – he wasn't going to not determine the outcome of that game. And he did determine it. He did. And Fox, who was for the first six games a pleasure to watch and did play through a broken finger, God love him, he, 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 he collapsed yeah. in the final game. He didn't – he couldn't handle he didn't even want the spotlight he right. didn't want it right. um and it was discouraging to see and again boxing what curry did he displayed his character for the whole world correct so did fox yes he displayed his character for the whole world and yeah. what a difference it was um so i found that i mean i found the whole series interesting but i found that duo fascinating especially in game seven and fox is going to have to live with that yeah you're gonna have to live with it and you know he can heal his his finger he can work on his jump shot he can improve his game but you can't change your nature you can't right. change your character and i feel like he revealed it and if i were the kings I, and that's your best player i feel like are we gonna win a championship with this guy as our best player or maybe he's a stepping stone to our, uh, us getting our best player. That's the way. I, I don't think he can't be your best player. You can't have that guy disappearing when it, when it really counts. I mean, yes, he, he five did. Five for 19 in the game? Five for yeah, 19? Yeah, he, dis he, he disappeared. And, yeah. and, at the, and you saw at a certain point he lost confidence and was passing the ball, didn't want to shoot. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine Steph at a certain point being like, you know what, Jordan, you, you shoot it, Jordan. I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I don't have it tonight, Jordan. You no, you know – Clay Thompson didn't have it. But then in the third quarter, he said, the hell with this. I, he didn't say, I'm not going to shoot. He was more aggressive. That's right. No, you know, De'Aaron Fox, he, he turned into Wiggins at down the stretch, like kind of a passive player that's like, hey, bud, we're, we're, take your shot. Clay didn't do that. I mean, Clay had a bad night, but he didn't shy away. Curry definitely no. didn't shy away. And yeah. Fox did. It was very interesting that that team looked like they were on the brink of eliminating the Warriors for like a week. And they just didn't have it. I mean, in the crisis moment, they got their butts kicked. They got their butts kicked. And in their the crisis kicked. moment, um, Kerr outcoached Brown. Big time. And Curry in the crisis moment. You couldn't come up bigger in a game. He came oh up God. as big as anyone has ever come up in the playoffs. I think it's the first 50-point game in Game 7 history. Yeah. I believe. And I you thought know, it was so interesting. Oh, go ahead. Keep going. Now, I want to say, um, no, we're going to talk more about Curry in a bit, right? Yeah, so I'll, yeah. I'll skip on that. Well, you just mentioned Kerr out coaching Mike Brown. I thought it was interesting. 
the Warriors are a jump shooting team. They shot so many threes in the series, but the way they finally beat the Kings was by driving the hoop and laying it up. I mean, how many times? How many layups did they get in Game Seven? The, the, the Kings couldn't do anything about it. That won the that won right. the series. That was interesting. Yeah, you know, I have to say, and I, I'm an old guy. I hate the three point shot. I do. I hate it. Um, I, I uh, because. <sighs> I hate it especially when early in a possession they cross half court and some schlemiel takes a shot and misses. It seems so wasteful and so uncreative. Right. That's the pass best the shot you God- can get. Yeah, run a play. Pass the goddamn ball. So yeah. if I were the king of the world, because I think it hurts basketball, I do, yeah. I would say teams, you can shoot the three, but you only have 10 per half. And you got to use them judiciously. You got to, like, at the, you'd hold them if you're down sort of toward the end of the game. You have 10, maybe you want to say four. And that's how I would, because I would want to see passing. I wouldn't want to see a center game where you put it into the big guy and it's right. slow. I wouldn't want to see yeah. that anymore. But I'd yeah. want to see running and, and moving and, like, and Steph Curry. Shots. At mid-range, mid-range shots. shots. Steph yeah. Curry is always moving. He's yeah. not a lazy guy. Harden, no. he just Harden. stands there and wants a ball, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, But yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen Curry works his ass off. Yeah. You know, for a guy who shoots a bit, he shot 18 threes in this game. He doesn't, like, I'm going to use the word bastardize the game the way you're talking about. Like, he doesn't just stand at the three-point line and shoot a bunch of threes. Like, he's every, he shoots mid-range shots. He shoots layups. He moves. He passes. I mean, you'd have to say Steph Curry plays the game the right way. He's wonderful. I love to watch him. And I thought what was so interesting was he goes for 50, shoots 38 points, and you realize, boy, we've watched Stephen Curry for almost 15 years. We've never seen him do anything like that. He doesn't play like that. He's not that kind of a player. And I grew up where the best players thought you had to do that. Kobe, his whole thing was like the Mamba mentality, which was essentially mimicking Jordan. And Jordan just took a million shots. Curry is much more of a team player, I think, than those guys were, in my opinion, which is why I like. Him so much. I appreciate yep. his game. I okay. prefer him to those two. And let's talk about who else we prefer Stephen Curry to. In this upcoming ge- uh, series, Stephen Curry will be facing LeBron James. They face each other a bunch of times in the in the uh, finals. Steph has beat him three times to one. And the regulars, I think in, in all games, I think he's beaten him like 25 to 18. So Steph has gotten the best of LeBron James. A lot of people say LeBron James is the best player ever. Do you think he's even better than Steph? I think Steph's a better player than he is. Look, I want to say a few things. I covered Stephen Curry, so I'm more familiar with what he does. I never curried, covered LeBron James, but I've seen him play a lot. I don't particularly like his game. I mean, he's a guy, the offense has to go through him. He has to have his hands on it. He has yep. to boss people around. And yep. he's not a particularly, unless I'm wrong, he's not a, a particularly great outside shooter the way no. Curry is. The way Curry he's is. He's an average shooter. He's an average shooter. Yeah. Yeah. With no he's mid-range sc- game. Really really no mid-range game. Yeah, he's a scorer, but he's not a shooter. Yeah. And uh, I, I absolutely prefer Curry. And uh, another way I would say it, you know, I, I try to think of – I'm a baby. You make all t- all star teams. My my all time starting five, mm-hmm. point guard. I I would say it's only one of two guys: Magic Johnson or Curry. And I would actually prefer Curry. They do different things. Um, it, probably not as great a passer as Magic Johnson, but way better scorer and as much of a team player. So I would say either one of those is my point guard. But on my top five, LeBron James doesn't make it. I I look at him as maybe the shooting forward. Larry Bird. I would take Larry Bird over him in in, in an eye blink. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like If you're talking about that all-time starting five, Curry could fit, I think, in any team, any lineup because – you could play him at point guard if you needed to. Or if you have Magic Johnson, you could put him off the ball and have Magic passing to Curry. Like, he fits. But if LeBron's on that team, he has to have the ball in his hands. That's no right. Matter. So if, if you have, you can't have Magic and, and LeBron on the same team. You can't. But you could have Magic and Curry on the same team. I love it. I love that point. Yeah. In fact, yeah. LeBron James would be sort of a drag on that team. Yes. I mean, if you had Jordan on the team, you'd have to run it through LeBron. Otherwise, what's LeBron doing? Shooting? Spot-up shooter? He's not particularly good. No. No. So, yeah, I think that's interesting. Another thing is 
I have dealt with any number of superstars that I covered. I've covered superstars. Um, <laughs> um, Stephen Curry is the least superstarish of yeah. any superstar I covered. And here's what I mean. Again, I don't know him personally at all. I don't, I don't know what he's like in the house. I have no idea, so I can't mm-hmm. speculate. I know how he presents to the media. And this is how he presents. Normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raymond Ritter, their head of public relations, you know, say, um, you know, in a series, I, I imagine on the off day, it always Steph is going to talk. In the gym over here in Oakland, they used to put him in a high chair. He would sit. We'd all um, gather around with our pads and our microphones. He would give us as much time as possible. He was always in a good mood. He never, ever, when I was there, said a shitty, bitchy thing to a writer. If he didn't like or didn't understand the question, he was polite, say, I don't agree or uh, I don't understand, please say it again, the way a gentleman would do. Yeah. In addition, now I can't speak for LeBron James because I've never covered him. I don't, I don't know how he is. But I can tell you, as a superstar, the only other one who was like that was Steve Young. Mm. Steve Young has the same lovely, normal demeanor. And I think you could say Steve was a superstar as well. What are you going to say, Guy? Well, there was another NBA player that I would say that might be better than LeBron James, too, that never really gets put in this discussion. But Tim Duncan. Well, he's my number four. He's my four on my all-time team. Tim Duncan won five championships. Yeah. Beat LeBron in the the finals. You could argue he's the best big man of his era, better than Shaq. But... Oh, he was so yeah. quiet. He wasn't a self-promoter that people talk about Shaq and Kobe as being better than him. But, I mean, I'll take Tim Duncan. Are you yeah. kidding? He, on my starting yeah. five, he's he's the big – he's the power forward on my starting yeah. five. Absolutely. I want to say another thing about Curry and LeBron James, which may or may not be germane to anything. Curry, when people talk about him – some people call him Steph, but for the most part, during a play-by-play, it's Curry gets the ball, Curry yeah. uh, takes a three-pointer. Yeah. But with James, it's LeBron. Right. Like like uh, a title, like a title. LeBron, like a brand, like a brand. And a brand and a title. A brand. So I feel the ego of the way people treat him or what he projects is so much different from Curry. Um Curry, it's not a brand. He's just no. a, he's a member of the team, and this guy it, it, you got to call yeah. him King James, that kind yeah. of thing. And he pronounces. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't only talk about basketball; he talks about politics. And you yeah. know, uh, sometimes I think things he says are maybe he shouldn't have said them. And yeah. uh, I, I wish, I wish that he had less of an ego. For example, mm. I told you it's probably it's very easy to get. Stephen Curry, he's there every day, and they bring him. Mm -hmm. You think it's like that in L.A. with LeBron James? You think he's sitting around? You think he's sitting around and talking to the media every day and say, "Take as long as you want." I I don't know, but I have a feeling it's not like that. Probably not. Probably not. I would think not. Again, this he's a he's a brand. He's a Nike athlete. They're they're Nike and the NBA are like synonymous, and they've been trying to market him as the next Jordan because Jordan. Jordan was, I mean, he kept the league afloat in the 90s. He was, he was the whole league. And then he retired, and I think they feel they need the next one. to Because they're not the number one sport in America. The, the NFL is. So Jordan makes them relevant, but he's not the best player of his era. Curry is. Curry's won more championships. Curry's beaten him in the finals. Uh, Curry's won the same amount of championships, but he's beaten him in the finals three times. And he's going to do it again in this series. I'm, I'm predicting Warriors in seven. I want to also tell you, you guys may have seen this on the internet, but in game six, did, uh, Jordan Poole did something wrong, yeah. and he was discouraged. It was a timeout, and he was walking off the court, and LeBron James touched him and clearly wanted to cheer him up, mm-hmm. and he pushed LeBron James away. Did you see it, Iggy? He was it LeBron pushed... or was it Draymond? Um, what am I saying? I, dra- I think it was Draymond. It was Draymond. Yeah. It was Draymond. It was Draymond. I'm sorry. I saw that. Uh, I'm an okay. old man. I'm an old man. It's okay. It's okay. Coming off the court, yeah. Draymond Green tries to say yeah. something nice, yeah. you know, to encourage him, and he pushes Draymond Green away. Yep. 
Curry walks right, he's, and then Poole sits down. Curry walks right over to him and he says, that's not fucking helpful, and walks away. So, you know, that's, that's quiet leadership. You don't do that. That's not fucking helpful. He either said that or that doesn't fucking help, but he used fucking, and it was either help or helpful. And it's, it's all over the internet, wow. Iggy. And so here's what's interesting. This Poole guy, who I've never met, yeah. He got punched by LeBron James. I'm sorry. By, by Draymond. Draymond, got Green. You. Draymond, which was a bad look, clearly, for Draymond. But clearly, right. Dr- Draymond Green wasn't happy with him. And no. now the superstar is not happy with him. Those are two uh, very negative votes from two kind of very <laughs> important players. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's, yeah. yeah. So uh, he better play a lot better the rest of this playoffs or else I don't know if he's going to be on this team next year. Yeah. He pushed Draymond Green away. Imagine having like arguably the greatest player of all time come up to you during a game and saying you're not fucking helping. Like I would just retire. It's not fucking you know helpful. What? It doesn't fucking help. Yeah. Jesus. Apparently yeah. they had like a private players only meeting before game seven and Steph like talked and he doesn't normally do that. And apparently his message was, you know, I need you guys to put aside your like petty emotional stuff. Get like stop being emotional and you need to buy in and trust me. And if you trust me, I will deliver this win in game seven. If you can't do that, don't get on the bus. And don't I, get on I think the bus. Every, yeah. Everyone felt they were talking, he was talking about pool. Like, hey, man, like, what are you in this for? Do you want to win or do you want to make this about you? Like, we can go up to Sacramento and win if you trust me, but it's not about you, dude. I love it. And yeah. I love that. And I love yeah. what Stephen Curry did on the bus. But it also seems to uh, imply that pool and green have not made up. I don't think so. I don't. I mean, God punches you in the face. It's hard to make up after that. But I mean, when it happened, everyone said, "Well, Draymond's an asshole. It was a sucker punch." Now it's like, well, what did Poole say to him? Because now it seems like he might be the kind of guy who is sort of asking for it. I mean, you push Draymond aside, like during airing a game, who so he could go sit by himself and pout. Whoa, dude. Well, there's a lot at stake here. You're not going to be the reason we freaking lose, dude. So you might. I mean. So Jordan Iggy. punched Steve Kerr. Remember that? Yes. He did. Yep. So, yep. Iggy, um, y- you follow the NBA more than I do. Pick a winner, Lakers and Warriors. I think the Warriors are going to win in six or seven. I'll say seven. I think the reason the Kings gave the Warriors so much problems because they were young and could run, and the Warriors had a looked really old and tired. I mean, LeBron's like 38 years old. I don't think they're going to be running. I don't think there's going to be very much running going on in this series. The issue, I think, is rebounding. Warriors had a tough time rebounding against uh, Sacramento in the first round, and the, the 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 Lakers are even bigger. Like Anthony Davis is huge. LeBron's a good rebounder, and if Kevon Looney isn't, how good is Kevon Looney? All of a sudden, if he isn't getting 15 rebounds a game, the Niners, the Warriors are in trouble. But all of a sudden, it looks like he's taking his game to a whole different level, playing 30 minutes a game. Who the f- who the hell is Kevon Looney? It's great. I know. And Iggy, yeah. How many offensive rebounds keeping plays alive? It's wonderful. Let me ask you this. Who was the Warriors' second best player in that series against the Kings? Him. Him. Looney. Looney. Unreal. Absolutely. They, they would not have won that series without Looney playing as well as he did. I agree. That was amazing. I yeah, agree. Really and, cool. you know, it's interesting. He's not a scoring center, but he doesn't have to be. Nope. Nope. He doesn't have and to be. It was amazing. Like His whole career, he's been a guy who plays maybe 20 minutes a game. Now he's playing 30 minutes a game and giving him 15 rebounds. It's like, whoa, that's great. If he keeps doing that, they'll go far. He was better than Sabonis. He was better than Sabonis. He was better than Draymond. He was better than Clay. He was just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. I wonder if he can keep it going. Iggy, on, on the Lakers, aside from James and Anthony Davis, who's a good player? They have some guys that I don't know that well, but they're actually having a good year. They're kind of no-name players. Um, Austin Reeves starts for them. He's pretty good. They have a guy named Rui Hachimura off the bench who's good. Like They they actually added a bunch of vet no-name bench players at the trade deadline, and the Warriors didn't. So that could be a factor here, too. I think the Lakers are a little deeper than the Warriors. The Warriors are not deep. No. They're not, not deep, and that's not that's an issue. They're not deep. Iggy, when you went to UCLA, did you ever go to Lakers games? No, I went to UCLA games. They're a lot of fun. They're on campus. Pauley Pavilion is the best place to watch a basketball game. Pauley. 
Right, right and it's UCLA. Yeah. I got it. I oh, got yeah. it. Why would you Absolutely. schlep over there? Yeah. Yeah, it's the other side of town. And as you saw, people don't realize about LA, like it seems kind of small and things are 10 miles away and then you get in a car and it's an hour. It's like, what the, What happened? How did it take yeah. this long? Yeah, that's every yeah. day. Sorry. Is Curry LeBron's kryptonite? Curry better than LeBron? Yeah, Might sure. Be. Might be. Fish and Chip says Buster Douglas busted Tyson inspired boxing. Buster Dus Douglas busted Tyson inspired boxing. I love watching that fight. It's an amazing fight. It is. And you know, um, one of the things about Tyson, he says uh it wasn't fair because he knocked out Douglas. Um he said he got Douglas a long got count. Out. Yeah. Now here's the thing. He did get a long count. Yeah. But it wasn't his fault. What happened yeah. was he was uh, on his knee and he was looking at the timekeeper. Right. And he followed the count and he got up at nine. Right. So he didn't do any. He was ready to get up. This thing fell yep. out of my ear. He was he was ready to get up, but he right. followed the official, which was it's fair not enough. like he needed twelve seconds to get up. No, no, he, he was just you. Yeah, yeah. And then he got up and then he kicked he Tyson's ass. Kissed, kicked his ass. And yeah. one of the very interesting things in the history of boxing is um, Tyson was so out of it. Instead of getting up, he tried. He's lost his mouthpiece, and he's looking for his mouthpiece, and gets counted out. It shows yeah. he was completely disconnected, right? As opposed to Buster Douglas, who was just on a knee waiting for the right, right. time to get up. Yeah, right. It, yeah, and I th I don't think Tyson was ever the same after that because I feel like Tyson. The big thing with him was he was a a bully. He actually made grown men scared. You you, you right. look at him when he's nineteen twenty. When he fought Spinks, like Spinks looked scared in the ring. But then like, Holyfield, ne Holyfield never looked scared against him. And Holyfield was like a cruiserweight. Yeah, well, I think he got big. Holy, Holy, yeah, I think God knows what he was taking, but the both right. of them, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Holyfield's attitude was, I'm going to kick your ass. Yes, and Always I think he's been that. interviewed about that. And I think he's, he felt Tyson's whole thing is he's a bully. You have to bully a bully. And I think what he did was, I think he punched Tyson after the bell in the first round. I think he punched him after the bell just to send a, a message like, dude, I'm going to fight dirty too. Let's go. Let's go. And Tyson didn't want yeah. it. And then he no. bit his ear in the second fight. I remember that one. That was amazing. Anyway, good show, Dad. This was a lot of fun, everyone. Next time we'll do a little bit more uh, boxing talk. Here's the thing. I won't be on next week because I'm having cataract surgery on Tuesday. Oh, right. I am. Because I, I can't, I don't see out of my I right eye that well. I can't see. I can't see, God damn it. So um, I'll be back in two weeks. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, he, he's on IR for a week, but he'll be back. I'll be back this afternoon with uh, Jack Hammer in like less than two hours, fewer than two hours. So see you then. Great, great show. Love you, Iggy. Love you, Dad. Call Take you in a care. minute.